What's up, everybody? Today we will focus on the feast or festival of the first fruits known as Yom Habikarim. This is a celebration that takes place the day after the Sabbath. That, of course, being after the start of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So it also marks the start of the 49-day countdown to Shavuot, also known as Pentecost. During this holy week of Passover, God gives his people and us a picture of the Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach, and how he would redeem us through his death, burial, and resurrection. Those three things are all represented in the three feasts celebrated in this week of Passover. First being the actual Passover sacrifice, which represented the unblemished Lamb of God that was sacrificed for the redemption of mankind, the blood of the Lamb that atoned for the sins of man. Then you have the unleavened bread that was free of leaven, which we know the leaven represented sin. So, just like Christ was pure and sinless, the unleavened bread represented not only the sinless nature of Christ, but it represented his body that was beaten and crucified and buried for us. Lastly, you have the festival of the first fruits, which represent the resurrection of Yeshua. That is what we will dig into into today, a deeper understanding of the celebration of the first fruits and its connection to the resurrection of our Savior. Let's begin with the understanding of the initial timeline according to the Jewish calendar. It is important to understand that their days start at sundown. So their days run from sundown to sundown. And you cannot fully understand the timeline accurately without that detail. So after all the preparations are made, the unblemished lamb is sacrificed during the day on Nisan 14, usually during the first part of the day. Then at sundown, the next day begins, Nisan 15, and it begins with the Passover Seder or meal. It is also the first day of unleavened bread or marks the beginning of the first day of unleavened bread. Then after that, you know, you have the Sabbath and then after the Sabbath, the priests perform the first fruits offering in the temple. So, have you ever wondered why people will say that Jesus was crucified on Friday, on Good Friday, and rose again on Sunday, while at the same time tell you that he rose on the third day? Yet, simple math shows that is impossible. At best, you get a day and a half, maybe two, if you're generous with how you count the days. The point is that Friday to Sunday morning will never amount to three days or three nights in the grave. But commercially speaking, we have accepted that notion just like we celebrate the birth of Christ on December 25th, even though he, was born, no, he wasn't born anywhere near December 25th. Now, I'm not knocking Christmas. I love Christmas. It's like my favorite time of the year. And even though it isn't anywhere near his actual date of birth, which... By the way, we only know the general time frame of his uh, birth, not the actual day, which was around Sukkot. So anyway, it still it is the day that the world recognizes the birth of our Savior, and that that is more important. Just like it is more important to understand and celebrate why Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. Now, that being said, let me return to what I was previously talking about. The reason why Friday to Sunday doesn't line up is because we know that Jesus was in the grave three nights and rose again on the third day. That's really not up for debate, and neither should the day of his crucifixion um, be either. You know, Remember, Jesus fulfilled the requirements of the law perfectly, and we know that 
uh, Passover, the Passover, unleavened bread, and first fruits all foreshadowed Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. Therefore, it would have been imperative that Jesus align those three things exactly with the celebration of their foreshadowing counterparts. This was meant to be this way so that not only would Scripture be fulfilled to the letter, but so that the Jews uh, would one day make the correlation and understand that Yeshua was the promised Messiah or Mashiach. Nothing with God is left to chance. No accidents. It's all by design. With understanding those details, you can now easily understand the actual timeline for Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Nisan 14 began on what we would recognize as Wednesday night which is when Jesus celebrated the Passover meal with his disciples, which is what we know as the Lord's Supper. It is where communion originated, where we get communion from. Then on our Thursday, still Nisan 14 for them, at approximately 9 a.m., which uh, the Bible refers to as the third hour, Jesus' crucifixion begins and comes to an end with his death at approximately 3 p.m., also referred to as the ninth hour. You can find that in Mark 15, 25. This is the exact time frame that the unblemished lamb, uh, unblemished Passover lamb is sacrificed in the temple. And just after 3 p.m., Jesus' body is prepared for burial you know, before sundown, which is the same time that the Passover lamb is prepared for the Passover Seder or meal, which again is at the tail end of Nisan 14, which would be our Thursday prior to sundown. Now, that's fascinating to me, just those little details of how all that lines up and correlates perfectly with these three feasts. Now, Thursday night, Nisan 15 begins the celebration of unleavened bread. Then on Saturday, you have the Sabbath, and Leviticus 23.11 reminds us that the waving of the first fruits is performed the day after the Sabbath, leading us into Sunday morning, which coincides exactly uh, with when Jesus rose from the grave as the first fruits of the dead, the first of the resurrection to come. Jesus was buried on Thursday afternoon and rose on Sunday morning, or, or just before sunrise. So you, calcul- you can calculate it like this. Half a day or part of a day on Thursday, you have two full days, Friday and Saturday, and then part of a day on uh, leading into Sunday morning. That gives you three nights uh, in the grave, and he rose again on the third day. Jesus became the first fruits of the dead. First Corinthians fifteen twenty through twenty three. Paul writes, "But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will re- will be made alive, but each in turn." Christ, the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Jesus is the first to experience the resurrection into a glorified body. Everyone else will come later. That part about then when he comes, those who belong to him, is referring to the rapture of the church saints, past and present. That is those who are alive at the time of the rapture uh, and those who have preceded them you know, in death. So, now, to further understand the significance of the, first, of the celebration of the first fruits, let's go over some more details about the original celebration. On the day of this celebration, the first of the harvest was waved before the presence of the Lord as an offering. Leviticus 23, 9-12 says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the 
people of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land that I give you and reap the harvest, its harvest, you shall bring the sheaf or a bundle of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest, and he shall wave the sheaf before the Lord so that you may be accepted. On the day after the Sabbath, the priests shall wave it. That's how we know when this happens, okay? And on the day when you wave the sheaf, you shall offer a male lamb, a year old, without blemish as a burnt offering to the Lord. On this day, the priest would wave the sheaf or bundle of green barley of the new harvest before the Lord, north, south, east, and west. This was a symbolic gesture dedicating the harvest to him. Then a one-year-old unblemished lamb is sacrificed as a burnt offering to the Lord along with the unleavened bread that has been mixed with, with oil. And also included in this offering is the wine. And you can find this in Leviticus 23, uh, 13. So only after this offering was complete could the people begin to enjoy the harvest and use it. Isn't it fascinating that the very things included in the first fruits offering which must be completed before they can uh, use the harvest or enjoy the harvest, are the very things Yeshua used to recall and illustrate his sacrifice. In this offering, you have an unblemished lamb, Jesus, which represents Jesus, the sinless lamb of God. Then you have the unleavened bread that's mixed with oil, the body of Christ and the oil that was supposed to, that was used to prepare his body for burial. And then you have the wine, which symbolized the blood, his blood that was poured out for the forgiveness of sin. I mean, that's so crazy. It's so cool, though. Doesn't that just make you see the Old Testament in a different way? The Old Testament is key to understanding why Jesus did the things the way he did and how he fulfilled the requirements of the law as our substitute and savior. Likewise, as much as you need the Old Testament to fully understand the New Testament, you also need the New Testament to truly appreciate what is written in the Old Testament. Now back to the point made earlier about the scripture we read in Leviticus. The rest of the harvest could not be harvested until the offering of the first fruits was waved before God in the temple. This offering dedicated to him once completed symbolized his acceptance of the offering, granting them permission to harvest the rest, to use the crop. Since Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection that is to come, he presented himself before God at his resurrection, and God accepted the offering, granting permission to harvest the rest of the crops. That's from the Old Testament saints to the church saints. You know, let's revisit what Leviticus 23.11 says. And he, talking about the priests in the temple, shall wave the sheaf before the Lord so that you may be accepted. Jesus, in the same way, presented himself or waved himself before God as the first fruits offering so that you and I may be accepted. Without the resurrection, the first fruits offering of Jesus, we can never be accepted by God. 1 Corinthians 15, 16 through 19, Paul confirms this. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has, Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of of all people most to be pitied. When God raised Jesus from the dead, he absolved him of the sin he bore for us. The sin that was placed on him was in a sense left in the grave, thus confirming Jesus's triumphant statement on the cross when he said, it is finished. 
His resurrection declares that he has pardoned you and ser- you and I and serves as proof that God accepted his payment for our sin once and for all. All we have to do is accept the gift. He did all the work. Now, God has always asked that the first fruits be given to him to honor him, the one who has provided all that we have. By giving our first fruits, we are reminded that God comes first, and we show him that he is first in our lives when we give him our first fruits, whether it be the first fruits of your income, which is your tithe, or the first part of your day. It all belongs to him. He only asks that we honor him with the first portion of what he has given us so that he may bless all that is left. Give God the first portion of what you earn so that he may bless the rest of it. Likewise, give him the first part of your day so so that he may bless the rest of it. That is why the church, you know, or should I say, that is what the church signifies by worshiping on Sunday, that we give him the first day of the week so that he may bless the rest of it. Let me say this. Do you think the feast or celebration of the first fruits is relevant to your life? Or is it just something for the nation of Israel? Of course it's relevant. Every time you tithe off the top of what you earn, you are celebrating the first fruits. Every time you start your day off with spending time with God, you are celebrating the first fruits. Every time you stop and give God the first of your praise, you honor him with the first fruits. Now, also check out this fascinating detail. The celebration of the fir- of first fruits coincides with the end of Noah's flood. You see the seventh month which marked the end of of the flood in Noah's day, it becomes the first month during the time of Exodus. If you remember the episode that I did on the Passover, you know you remember that God told Moses that that day that Nisan that that month would become the first month going forward. It'd be the first month of their year. So our new creation in Yeshua began on the anniversary of the rebirth of the world, so to speak, you know, when the flood came to an end. God never ceases to amaze me with, with his details. In closing, let's recap the symbolic and prophetic nature of the first three feasts of the Lord. Pesach, or Passover, represents our salvation and deliverance through the sacrifice of the Lamb of God. Chag Hamatzot, or Feast of Unleavened Bread, represents us ridding ourselves of the old leaven, our old carnal nature. And this is represented by the burial of Jesus in our association with his death, our identification with his death. And Yom Habikarim, or Feast of First Fruits, represents the resurrection of Jesus, our Messiah, in our future glorified state uh, in the coming harvest at the end of the age. Okay, guys, with that being said, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. It never fails to amaze me. I stand in awe of who you are, dumbfounded at the length you went you went to in order to redeem us. I will never fully understand it, but I am a thousand percent grateful for it. God, this message really spoke to me today about the first fruits of my day. So my prayer is that is for everyone out there that they would embrace the celebration of first fruits by being diligent to give you the first of all they have, really all that you have given us. The first of our day all the way to the first of all that we earn. Let us honor you with our first fruit so that you may bless all that we have so that we may always remember to put you first above all else. Amen.